Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. It's a brand new year, and what better time to get going with that online store you've been thinking of? Those I was there when Arsenal actually scored a goal t-shirts would fly off the shelves right now. And to get yourself up and running, you need Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way through to the did we hit a million order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms, and sell more with less effort with thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI powered all-star. Sign up for a $1 a month trial period at shopify.com slash arsblog, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash arsblog now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash arsblog. Hello and welcome to a brand new Arsblog Arscast right here on Arsblog.com. How are you? Hope you're well, hope you're safe and happy and healthy physically and mentally at this time. There's a lot going on. There is a lot going on this week. And I want to start today, if I might, by referencing an email that I got earlier this week from a podcast listener, an Arsblog reader, a Patreon member called Andy. I hope he doesn't mind me going into this a little bit. I'm not going to go through all the details of what he had to say, but he described himself as a black Arsenal fan. And early in the podcast, James and I, well, actually, that'd be wrong to say. It it was, um, I said something along the lines of, let's leave all the terrible stuff that's going on to one side and let's just, you know, do the podcast and give people a bit of an escape, which, you know, I think is fair enough uh, in some respects. But uh, Andy expressed some disappointment um, in a very nice way, a very constructive way, I should say. He wasn't being critical that we didn't address some of the things that are going on on the podcast because of the platform that we have. And I responded to him and, uh, you know, I said, A, that I was slightly overwhelmed by everything because of uh, it was all just beginning to kick off in, in the U.S. and the protests and everything else, you know, in the wake of the, the killing of George Floyd. But B, I was, I didn't want to say the wrong thing. Um, And Andy's email has sort of made me realize that maybe the wrong thing is saying nothing. That when you do have a platform, it is important to use it for good if you can do that. So let me just very quickly say Black Lives Matter. That Arsblog as um, uh, an institution, if you like, but, but as representative of me, 
will always stand against racism and discrimination of any kind, and we will stand in solidarity with victims of it. I don't want to proselytize or preach here. Arsenal released a message during the week which said we stand against racism. We stand side by side with our black community. We stand with our black players of the past, present and future. We celebrate diversity. We belong together. I shared that message. There was a small amount of pushback on that. And some people decided that was it. You know, they weren't going to follow me anymore. And that's fine. That's fine. And I know some people won't like this, and that's also fine. You don't have to listen. Uh, Nobody is forcing you. It's entirely your choice what you want to read and what you want to listen to. But I don't and will never understand objections to a message of anti-racism, of togetherness, of harmony and unity, and trying to make the world a better place as much as anyone can make the world a better place by posting a a picture of a black tile on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and all that kind of stuff. I'm aware that it's small fry, uh, you know, when it comes to the major problems that people have. So what I want to do is is, uh, just I will share some things within the show notes here. I've got a couple of articles that uh, I read this week, which I found very impactful. Uh, And you can find those uh, links to those in the show notes. And I want to point you in the direction of uh, the first 20 minutes of the Stadio podcast um, from earlier this week in which Musa Okwanga, who has been a guest on this show, spoke very movingly and very eloquently about his experiences uh, as a black man, as a football writer, as somebody who whose view on this is something people seek, but often at the expense of his other area of expertise, uh, which is football and football writing and tactics and uh, love of the game, which is clear whenever you listen to him talk about it on the podcast. So have a listen to that. It, it really is um, worth 20 minutes of your time. And uh, as a podcast anyway, it is something that should be on your general rotation. Um, the other thing I just want to say very quickly, uh, again, while respecting that it is a difficult job to do, The police brutality that we have seen this week should shock and worry and sicken everybody. Everybody. Peaceful protesters being tear gassed. And there are people standing in solidarity with black people in in America as well. And they're out there and they're protesting and they're right to protest and they have a right to protest. And the speed and ferocity of the police response is something that should worry all of us. All of us. Because you can sit there from a distance and think, this has nothing to do with me. This isn't something that will affect me. I'm a a law-abiding citizen. I'm a stand-up member of the community. But look at how quickly they put the boot in and the rifles in and the sticks in and the batons in and everything else to the vast majority of the people who are exercising their right to protest peacefully. The draconian measures that they were able to put in, uh, in place so, so quickly. If you think this is something that will only have consequences for the people protesting or for black people or whatever else, however else you want to rationalize it, you should be worried because they can move the goalposts and you could be next. You could be the target. It is uh, really sickening to see people whose job it is to uphold the law, take the law into their own hands. And it is horrendous to watch people who are supposed to protect citizens terrorize citizens. 
Again, I know people are going to have different views on this. But all I can say is at this time, we need to stand up for one another. We need to look after one another. We need to protect each other, and that includes our rights as citizens, as people, regardless of our skin color. And we need to do what we can to address the issues of systemic and inherent racism in all our societies, because it is not simply an American problem. It is not simply a British problem. We have it here in Ireland, too. You think of that young man from down in Kerry a few weeks ago who felt emboldened to send a string of racist messages to Ian Wright. So we can't pretend that where we live, everything is okay. Uh, We have to do what we can in our own communities too. So hopefully we can stop and we can think and we can change things and make things better for those communities that really need that to happen. So there you go. If you've got this far, thank you for sticking with me. Uh, Thank you, as always, for being here, for listening, for allowing me into your ears every week. Maybe some of you won't uh, have me anymore, but that's that's okay. You know, the world keeps turning and life goes on and we'll be here doing what we do anyway. So um, let's get on with the show. It's a, a strange week this week because not a great deal has happened, uh, at least from a footballing point of view. There aren't too many, uh, there aren't too many stories for us to dig our, our teeth into, but we are getting closer to the return of football. One thing did occur to me, though, and that is, what is the physical impact of the lockdown going to be on players? I think we all understand to an extent that there are going to be fitness issues because these guys have just been at home in their home gyms, and it's not the same as, as training every week. It's not the same as playing two, three games of football a week. How much will they have lost And what's it going to take to get them back? And what are the challenges that Arsenal and and other football clubs will face when the games kick off again? I thought it would be good to get some expert opinion on that. So who better to uh, talk to us about it than Arsenal's former director of high performance and currently the high performance manager at Melbourne FC. It's Darren Burgess. Hi, Darren. Hey, Andrew. How are you, mate? I'm okay. I'm okay. So have you ever in your career come across anything quite as unprecedented as this in terms of what it's going to do to clubs, teams, players, fitness? Because, you know, we hear all the time about how players are like finely tuned machines, these professional athletes. It's extremely rare for there to be just a sudden stop in everything that they do. Yeah, I don't think anyone's really come across it uh, like this, uh, Andrew, any any sort of scenario like this. Although um, probably the best guide is uh, the NFL lockout uh, from 2011 and um, one of the consequences of that was a, a, a massive upturn in, um, in tendon injuries, particularly Achilles tendon. Uh, which sort of indicated that maybe in the in the period of lockdown the players weren't necessarily doing enough intense load. So that that was a pretty good guide for us in the in the industry. But other than that, um, yeah, it's it's been really hard to gauge just how much this will affect the players. Mm. How would you look at what the players will have been doing individually? Because we know they've been away from the training grounds for a long time, and many of them have home gym facilities or or gym equipment we heard um that 
Arsenal sent out these um, these bikes to players to sort of uh, help them with their cardio work. But what can players have been doing before they came back to training to try and maintain uh, their their level of of fitness? There's probably two issues. There's there's the fitness in, issue, which um, yeah, the problem with home gyms, a, a bike's not running, even a treadmill is mm. not running because the belt is moving, whereas you have to kind of push off the earth when you're running. So yeah. a lot of players head off in their holidays to Marbella and things like that and, and jump on a treadmill and think that that's going pretty well. But um, nothing can beat sprinting and changing direction and turning. So sure. those players who are fortunate enough to have a big backyard and can muck around with kids, they can probably do a lot more. I've seen some video clips online of, of some of the players at Arsenal and other clubs doing a lot of turning and sprinting, which is good. Um, but doing bike, you can do bike work forever and a day. It's going to help a little bit. Yeah, but it's not going to help. Uh, you know, when when the coach is t- you know telling you to sprint after a ball and you're trying to chase Aubameyang down the wing or something like that, it's <laughs> it's just a completely different fitness. So uh, there's the fitness industry issue, and then there's also the loading up of tendons and joints, which is equally as important to prevent injury, and that can only be done by. Uh, again, change of direction, jumping, turning, twisting, those sorts of movements. Yeah, so is that the thing that will have affected the players the most, the, that sort of loading for tendons and, and what have you? Because, uh, you know, as a casual sports person, I know when you don't play football for a couple of weeks, and I realize I'm not the, uh, the, the example to use here as somebody of my age, but you lose fitness pretty quickly. They're obviously working from a higher bar and a higher level, but I mean, will they in this period have lost uh, a significant amount of fitness or, or, you know, how would you, is it possible to measure it in percentile terms? Yeah, it's a good question. And and to be honest, your experience having not played for two or three weeks because it's too cold or you had a big night at the pub or something like that, that, that is exactly what they'll go through. Um, uh, in their first hard training session is they'll be sore, just like you or I would. Um, can you measure it? Well, the club that I'm working with at the moment, we, we measured it and the players were pretty good from a um, fitness point of view in the running test that we gave them. Uh, but as soon as we went into full contact, full twisting and turning, they all reported massive soreness and we had to alter the training se- you know, the subsequent training sessions in order for them to sort of recover from the soreness. So, um, yeah, as long as the build-up into the season is okay and prepares them for the fact that Arsenal are going to have to play like a lot of teams, a high density of games in a small period of time, mm. They'll be okay because hopefully they've been doing enough to keep them going in the break and uh, the change of direction that they get introduced to over the next three or four weeks will help them. Do you feel um, the the return to training and particularly the return to full training and the gap to games starting again is sufficient for clubs to build players back to a level of fitness that's required for the Premier League? Because it feels... It feels quite short, and I can understand why, because there are obviously pressures to get football going again. There are financial implications for the games, for the clubs, etc., and for the broadcasters, of course. Um, We heard that they wanted players back in a couple of weeks, and the club's managers were looking for four weeks, so they settled on this three-week compromise. Is is that sufficient? Uh, I think... The, the short answer, as you said, is it has to be um, because of right. all those reasons that you've just, just made out. So I don't want to put uh, the fitness of players ahead of the millions and millions, <laughs> you know, that, that people uh, people want to watch and that people are going to lose. But 
Ideally, four weeks, it'd be enough. Um, but I think you can manage in three, no problem. As long as the managers are prepared to rotate squads a little bit, um, then I, I think three weeks is is plenty. One of the problems is the restrictions placed on the actual training. Um, you know, the Premier League put out a fairly um, instructive document on what you are and aren't allowed to do and even fairly prescriptive in terms of uh, five-a-side in this this bigger field and this smaller field and and whilst teams don't have to strictly adhere to that, it was a it was a pretty sort of uh, direct document that this is what we recommend. So that takes a little bit of the freedom away in terms of how hard you can push players early, mm. um, which some players will be able to cope and others won't. And it's up to the managers and, and fitness and doctors to understand which players can and can't. Yeah, so I mean, there's obviously a collective uh, training that will go on and the players that are doing their own things. But how important is it going to be to, to identify players who are struggling a bit, perhaps players who have been uh, coming back from injury? And I think of uh, Hector Bellerin, for example, Rob holding at Arsenal who've had crucial ligament injuries and and because of that they had subsequent aches and strains and niggles which kept them sidelined. I mean during this period do, is that something they could have worked on to get rid of those particular issues that they've been having because I think with Rob it was a knee and Hector had some muscle strains so are those things that, that you know during this period of time it might have been beneficial for them to sort of bring them back to a base level or or are they going to struggle similarly when, when training restarts again I, I think Hector and Rob would be really happy with the break um, because right. exactly what you said it'll bring other players down a bit because they'll have lost match fitness yeah and it'll allow them and they're both unbelievably diligent workers so they'll have worked on those weaknesses that you outlined and um, and they'll come back to uh, as good a level as everybody else um, just because of the break. So uh, certainly for, for those players who have weaknesses and, and deficiencies, this is a perfect opportunity to work on those, and particularly with the resources available to, in terms of number of staff that they can consult with, the, the home gyms and things like that. Yeah. Um, there, there's not much of an excuse to not uh, correct those sort of issues. So Hector and Rob would be pretty happy with with the break, I think. What would be the the things, the sort of red flags that you would be looking for as somebody involved in, in managing and maintaining the fitness of players? How important is it for the players to be completely honest with you about the way they feel after a session or after a week's work? I know that in particular, young players are sometimes, they have a tendency maybe to downplay uh, yeah. aches and strains because they so desperately want to play and they want to be involved and that can be uh, and has been detrimental in the past yeah look within my field one of the things that is really popular and used worldwide is this rate of perceived exertion where andrew you do a session and then i say how hard did you rate that and you think okay, what do I think he wants to hear here? Do you want to hear that it's easy? And so that's what players think. So my personal view is I don't take a whole lot of notice of that. I ask them because sometimes you'll you'll find out something. But generally speaking, I look at the objective markers. So from that, um, and at Arsenal, we looked at the heart rate versus the work rate. So what did you produce in terms of your GPS, your distances, your change of directions? Mm. And then what did that cost you from a heart rate point of view? Because a heart rate doesn't lie. 
that the technology that we use there took into account respiration rate as well. So you can, you know, you could really tell what the cost of that period of work was. So initially, um, you know, we would do if I was there and uh, in my current club, we do a standardized test, which is a really easy four minute test where you can just check um, how players are responding to the workload. It's a pretty easy, non-invasive things to, thing to do. And uh, and from that, you can determine who is adapting well and who isn't. You still ask them because I can come up with yeah. conversations, had a bad sleep, good sleep, had a fight with my girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever it might be. Um, so it's still useful to ask them, but uh, I like the, the objective side of things. Sure. And if we think about what the players are going to face going from training to playing games. So we hear all the time about uh, one of the things is a player can be fit, but you know, coming back from injury, it takes some time to get match fit, if you like. So is that another step up? Uh, and is that another risk for players and, and managers to deal with? That a guy who looks fit on the training ground, when you put him into the match situation, when it is more intense, when you're having to compete more and fight more and do more physically within a game than you would do in a session, which isn't to say that they don't work hard in that, but it is a different dynamic. Um, you know, what is the, what is the sort of risk uh, there? Yeah, it's enormous. And that's where your profiling of your players and the experience of the players is is massive. Because you, no matter who tells you, you can't replicate a Premier League game. Arsenal are going to play Manchester City. I think it is first game. And, yeah. yeah, it doesn't get too much harder than that. So, um, yeah, to go into that environment, albeit that Manchester City are the same, uh, in the same boat, but... One thing that you can't buy is experience and City have got far more experienced players than what Arsenal do. So that is going to hold them in far um, better stead because they can be a bit more efficient in their movements and efficient in their in their work than perhaps what an inexperienced player can be. So um, the answer to your question is it's risky. You need to know your players uh, in terms of your starting 11 or 10. You need to make sure that those guys are probably the more resilient and you may have to compromise one or two that you might want to start for players that have either tested well, responded to training well, or you know are a little bit naturally more resilient in those first one or two games just to make sure that you don't lose them for the next nine or ten. Can we talk a little bit about the kind of injuries that players are going to pick up and I think it's inevitable that they will we saw in Germany I think there was a report that there was a 250% increase in in terms of injuries reported you know I, I don't know what uh, amount of those have been serious injuries or what might be categorized as serious injuries as opposed to sort of routine muscle strains and what have you but what are the what are the main uh, injuries that you think players are going to have to deal with um when they do get back playing and, and sort of build up uh, the muscles over over a period of time? Yeah, I think it's more those muscle injuries that you're talking about, hamstrings, uh, calf, soleus, and and groin injuries with the, the increase in change of direction load, which no doubt, um, you know, most coaches will want to go straight into some sort of game play and a small side of games and possession drills just to sharpen the players up, which makes sense. Um, then you take them into a game where it's big field, change of direction, a lot of duels, a lot of tackles, and I think it's the groins, hamstrings, and, and calf and soleus. The other thing which will be uh, a bit highlighted um, or magnified, I should say, is the fact that contact is reasonably limited in training in mm. that it's, it has to be structured. So going into tackles, timing might be just a little bit off. Um, 
So those players who are a bit clumsy in the challenge, might you might find uh, your commentators might call them even more clumsy uh, in the challenge, but that just might be a timing issue. Uh, just as you and I, if we haven't played for a bit, a bit might be a bit clumsy in one or two challenges. So, sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, there might be a few more yellows and reds uh, in that aspect, and that can lead to a couple of injuries as well. So right. that's not as big as a muscle risk, but it's still a factor. Yeah, we heard that maybe uh, five subs, uh, they're using that in the Bundesliga, and it has, I think, yet to be ratified within the Premier League. What would your... What would your opinion be on that um, as a short-term solution and potentially as something that might be um, continued if it works well? Because it strikes me that, you know, in, in this short period of time, if you do have players who are struggling and if you if you need to refresh your team in key areas during a game, it's it's obviously beneficial and it might help prevent injuries if you've got somebody who can come off after 55, 65 minutes uh, that might ordinarily have stayed on for 80 or 90. Um, but it might also introduce an, an extra tactical element to the game in the long term. Um, so your thoughts on your thoughts on that? I don't see too many negatives, Andrew, at all. I think um, uh, every, all of us want to see the best players playing. We mm. don't want to see the best Arsenal or Man City or United players, uh, unless we're playing against them, of course, on the <laughs> sidelines. So, um, yeah, we we uh, we all want to see that. So if this rule can help and not detract from the game, which it won't, um, yeah, I think it's a positive. And just imagine, you know, you're down 2-0 at City and – um, the coach brings on five new players with 25 to go. That would uh, add a, a, an amazing amount of excitement to that last uh, 25 minutes. You know, you, yeah. you're all not good enough, off you come. You know, it, it, it'd be great. So I, I don't think it's going to detract from the game, and I think it's certainly a period to trial that. What about some of the players that Arsenal have at the moment at the club? I know you haven't worked with all of them, um, but but would there be players who are naturally better able to cope with this situation than than some others because uh, because just they, they're naturally fit or they don't require the same amount of I don't know how to put this maybe ongoing maintenance not like, not like they're sort of cars but there are players I'm sure who do need very specialized attention in in training. Yeah, I think, um, and, and you guys would know these players um, from watching them, but the players that aren't as explosive yeah. um, are probably going to be at an advantage here because they don't need to require as much stress on their muscles. So, um, And then players that don't have the injury history. Um, so, um, yeah, generally centre-halves, centre-midfielders um, who haven't got the, the you know, so th- those sort of players at Arsenal that don't have the injury history are, mm. are going to be in a lot uh, better position, um, thinking David Louise and Papa and those guys who um, haven't had the, the injury history that perhaps a Mustafi or a, you know, uh, um, Hector Bellerin might have had. Um, mm. They're going to be at an advantage. Um I don't know um, too much about some of the other players, but someone like Oba has been injury-free for almost his whole career. Like he's had an amazing run for such an explosive player. So that's good. they're going to counterbalance each other because his game relies on that explosivity. Um, so that's going to put him at risk. But the fact that he's had very few injuries will be a, a massive plus, and the fact that he's got a great work ethic will help him out. So th- there's that mix of injury history as well as lack of explosivity I think is going to help some of the Arsenal boys right uh, the, the, they're talking about playing some friendlies if you were looking at this as uh, you know from a purely fitness point of view how 
how would you approach those games? I mean, do you want, I know you say you, uh, you can't replicate the intensity of a Premier League game, but, but is it something you would start slowly and say, look, in this game, you know, do your best for, you know, give it 75% and in the next one, 85%. And I don't know how many games they're going to be able to play. Not many in, in two weeks, a couple yep. of behind closed doors games. But, but how quickly would you want to push the players to test their levels in these friendly fixtures? Yeah, it's a good question and no one really knows the answer. But if I had some input into it, I'd want to play probably two very bad teams in friendlies. Um, that way you could control things a little bit easier right. and yeah, yeah. you're less likely to get ultra competitive and, you know, players doing things that they're not quite capable of. Um, so, or you just have an agreement with, um, you know, Watford next door or something like that, that, hey, we're going to, play our best team for 45 and let's have a look at it. And then after that, let's just mix and match a little bit. So um, I'd probably be erring on the side of playing, you know, some league two teams or something like that. Um, And uh, where you can, you can dictate play a little bit more, um, but players can maintain a little bit of match sharpness. So that's, that's probably what, what I'd be advising if I was there. Just a couple of final things. I mean, the, the world of player fitness and everything else has become hugely innovative and, and things have changed considerably from, uh, you know, not too long ago in the distant past. Obviously, fitness has always been a major part of it, but, but innovations uh, within the industry itself. Do you see this um, lockdown and this crisis as, as something that can um, provide inspiration and creativity in terms of how player fitness is is managed and uh, you know the the work that top athletes do yeah i do i I think sometimes it's a bit overstated if i'm honest i shouldn't be saying that (laughs) too loudly but uh, sometimes i think you know that there's too much importance put on the next best technology at the end of the day you know, the stories about Sir Alex Ferguson and Mourinho and the successful coaches from only 10 years ago um, were that they just completely, you know, they didn't uh, listen to it too much, uh, listen to people like me too much, and yet they did okay. You yeah. Know? So um, Sir Alex uh, certainly came into that late in his career. So um, I, I think it can be overplayed. Having said that, in this sort of scenario, I think it would be remiss on managers not to take uh, advice of how players are responding and with that you can use some technology um, but I wouldn't worry too much about the latest and greatest piece of equipment which will guarantee you uh, which will sort of see how far players are running and I mean we can all see that how much they're sleeping that's they can tell you that that doesn't need to be you know, you, I, I wouldn't want to get too creative and say because we've only got three weeks here, Mezzard or Granite or Oba, wear this device to bed so that I can see exactly how much sleep you've had. That, that's not yeah. going to, um, you know, that's going to be more of an imposition than anything. So I'd keep it pretty simple and just make sure that, um, you know, in three weeks you can train them pretty hard in perhaps that middle week and then in that third week as we're coming into the Man City game, just mm. really back off so that the players are fresh coming into the season. I mean, is that because the levels are so high as it is that you're talking about tiny, tiny percentage increases it's not like 
when Arsene Wenger took over in 1996 and he introduced this, you know, uh, remarkable new thing called stretching. Uh, You know, it's not (laughs) quite like, uh, you know, the players... And nutrition. Wild thing called nutrition. Yeah, Yeah. crazy stuff. Um, Yeah, it is. The difference between, say, Liverpool, who in all likelihood are going to win the league, the difference between their fitness and, I don't know... um, Wolverhampton or going further, you know, Newcastle or whoever you might pick a team is mm. not that much. Yeah. If they all ran and did a fitness test, it's actually not that much. It's, you know, the, the skill of the players. And I would rather have uh, Lacazette, for example, spend 20 minutes practicing his finishing rather than spend 20 minutes doing some extra sprinting because that's going to win us more games than, yeah. you know, than what some extra sprinting is. So you so you have to have a certain level, and if players aren't at that level, you can increase that. But in the end, it's going to be your ability to, to create and convert chances and save chances more so than who's got a better VO2 max or who had eight hours versus seven and a half hours sleep. Sure. Finally, the, the gap between the end of this season, which of course has been protracted, and the start of the new season, I think we assume they want to get things back onto what is approaching a normal calendar at least. We normally expect players to have a holiday and a bit of a preseason, and that seems like, you know, just from a practical point of view, nobody's going to be swanning off to Marbella, as you say. Uh, <laughs> but but the work that the clubs are going to have to do and the players are going to have to do within that period of time, I mean, would you advocate for a very short gap between the end of the 2019-20 season and the start of next season? I think it's a really delicate issue and and certainly in my time um, at Arsenal um, without sort of giving too much away that there were a couple of occasions where the players mental well-being really affected their physical performance and and mm. um, and injuries so if you don't have a particularly happy playing group um, they're not going to perform and that's the same with you at work with me at work you know with whoever we're talking about so how can we keep the players happy? Well, you need to provide them with some sort of break. And as much as you and I can say they've just had 10 weeks off, yeah. they've been locked down probably in nice homes, but probably not where they'd rather be in lockdown. So um, I, I think there's a bit of a balance there. So I'd be inclined to, if we are able to travel, to give them at least a two-week break somewhere of of their choosing that they would want to go and spend time with their family, friends, whoever. Yeah. I would think a four or five week break is plenty. Then two week break, and then give them that three weeks to four weeks leading into preseason, and then get everything going again for for financial and whatever else reasons. Sure. All right. Well, look, we'll see how it goes, and uh, thank you for your insight into this. It's been really very interesting, and hopefully, hopefully, you know, your work and and the work that all the clubs do see the players come back fit and healthy, and we uh, we get to enjoy football again. Darren, thank you very much. No problem. Thanks for having me. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. 
That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. It's a brand new year, and what better time to get going with that online store you've been thinking of? Those I was there when Arsenal actually scored a goal t-shirts would fly off the shelves right now. And to get yourself up and running, you need Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way through to the did we hit a million order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms, and sell more with less effort with thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI powered all-star. Sign up for a $1 a month trial period at shopify.com/arsblog or lowercase. Go to shopify.com/arsblog now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. shopify.com/arsblog. Thank you very much indeed to Darren. You can find him on Twitter at Darren Burgess 25 at Darren Burgess 25 and he is currently the high performance manager at Melbourne FC. Uh, their season restarts again uh, next week. So if you're an Aussie Rules fan, that's good news for you guys. Uh, we have to wait a little bit longer before Arsenal play again, which of course is June the 17th. We're waiting still for the uh, for the rest of the fixtures to be finalised. Uh, just one thing we touched on in the conversation was the, the fact that the five substitutes rule had not yet been ratified by the Premier League. It was yesterday, but because of time difference, um, hoo-ha and all that... Um, the interview was done very, very early in the morning here, and it was later in the day uh, when that five substitutes thing came in. Something we have uh, spoken about on the podcast before uh, and written about on the website, but no doubt uh, people will have opinions, and we can talk about that a bit more on Monday on the Arscast Extra, and hopefully we can talk about the fixtures and when the games are going to be played. Uh, sorry this podcast is a little bit shorter than normal, but it is one of those weeks. I hope you've enjoyed it all the same. Hope you found the conversation about fit and and everything else interesting for a club like Arsenal, which has had, it would be fair to say, some serious issues with fitness and injuries down the year. So let's hope there's a resilience to this squad and they get through the next nine games and hopefully three FA Cup games. That will be good as well. Something we forget about uh, when we uh, think about football coming back is the FA Cup is uh, is still there and we have a quarterfinal against Sheffield United and then you know hopefully a semi-final and a final and another FA Cup. That will be a nice way to end what has been a fucking crazy, surreal, weird, difficult season. Uh, a trophy uh, for, for us as fans for the club and for Mikel Arteta and, and the players will be amazing but a long way to go before we can uh, start celebrating in any way uh, whatever you do this weekend do it well do it safely look after each other um, I'll leave you with some music today feels a bit appropriate James and I will be here on Monday uh, with an Arsecast Extra so until then take it easy folks cheers bye bye
Trigger happy, holy sin. 